All right, so the topic I want to talk about tonight to start with is going to be, we're, we're going to go through, you know, seven questions, and I'm basing this exploration on a, a kind of lecture given by Reb Shmuel first from Chicago, where he kind of built it this way, and I thought it was very, very interesting. And a lot of very relevant laws, especially if, if we have non-observant non relatives, non-observant roommates, it's going to be very important. The question is, selling the chametz, selling chametz of other people, right? So you, you know, you can obviously sell your own chametz. We all do, right? Or at least, you know, many of us do. And the question is, are you allowed to sell the chametz of somebody else? And the first question that we're going to talk about, we're, we're going to explore, is going to be the easiest case, kind of the most straightforward case. Uh, let me just open up the source sheet. If you guys want the source sheet, it's in the Zoom chat, and I'm going to put the source sheet right Sorry. The source sheet is in the WhatsApp chat. I'm going to put it right now in the Zoom chat so you can open up on your computer. Um, all right. Here we go. It's, it's, it's uh, in the computer. So it's in the Zoom chat. Um, if you open it up, you'll see, right, that we're going to, this is here. I'm going to share, let me just share the screen because we are, this is going to be a little bit of an intense uh, source sheet, okay? Where we are, we're, we're going hardcore old school right now. It's not, it'll be safari in the beginning, but then we're going to have to go to kind of some of the real deal a little bit, if you don't mind. Okay, so the first question, and we're going to talk about, can I sell the comments of an observant Jew who forgot or is too incapacitated to sell it on his own? Now, why am I saying observant Jew? It's not because there's any real difference between an observant Jew and a non-observant Jew. The reason why I'm saying observant you over here is because we're talking about somebody who will want to sell it on their own or will not be using this chametz on Pesach, right? Later, we're going to talk about a case where you have a non-observant Jew who you know will eat from the chametz or in a case where even if they don't eat from the chametz or even if they do eat from the chametz, they are going to want to kind of dig into that chametz on their own. So that's going to be much more complex. So right now, we're going to deal with the very simple case or a seemingly simple case where you have, you know, I'm, I'm the rabbi of a community, I sound like a my community's chametz, and I have right, a friend or relative who's in the hospital because of COVID, right? And they're on a respirator, ICU, right? And they, they can't function. They can't tell me to go sell their chametz. But every year they, they sell their chametz, right? And they don't want to have all their chametz be useless after Pesach because, uh, you know, they weren't able to sell it. And if you don't sell your chametz before Pesach, and you own it on Pesach, it becomes uh, non-kosher. You are, you are not allowed to use the chametz anymore after Pesach. So therefore, am I allowed to go and sell it because I know that the right because I know that that's what he wants. All right. You sell the useless chametz after Pesach? No, after Pesach, it's com it's uh, forbidden to derive any benefit from. It becomes completely and totally useless. Yeah, you can't do anything with it. Okay, so, so let's start from the Gemara and Pesachim. The Gemara and Pesachim says as follows. So this is, again, talking about, uh, it's the middle of a different conversation about which hour, you know, till when are you allowed to eat chametz on uh, Erev Pesach. But what we care about is a story over here. Because so Rav and Baravada said, a person left a saddlebag filled with chametz. So by Yechanan uh, someone went and someone asked him to watch a saddlebag full of wheat or whatever it was. 
and then rats came and they and they chewed a hole in the saddle. And the chametz was coming out and spilling out onto the floor. So now, so now it was visible. And they came in front of Rabbi. He wanted to know what to do with this chametz because because Pesach was coming. Shal Rishon, it's the first hour of the day. Amr Hamtain. He said, wait. Shniya Amr Hamtain. the second hour he said, wait. Shlishis Amr Hamtain. the third hour he said, wait. Revius Amr Hamtain. the fourth hour he said, wait. Chamishis Bafalim by the fifth hour, the last uh, permissible hour. You are allowed to go and sell it out in the marketplace. So we seemingly have an explicit Kimar that if you have the Chametz, I hear I had the Chametz of someone else. Right, and I want to go, and so I am. I am allowed to go sell this chametz in the marketplace. Okay. So the Rambam paskins the halacha. The Rambam says a similar thing. Someone who believes wheat by his friend, Pesach, and, and Pesach comes. He shouldn't touch it until the fifth hour on the fourteenth day. From now on. You can take it out and sell it in the marketplace. So here the Rambam throws in a very, very important line. The Rambam says, why is it permissible to sell, or why can you sell the chametz? So it's not clear if the Rambam is saying why you can or why you should, and we're going to talk about this later. Okay? But the Rambam says the reason why you sell it is because of returning a lost item to its owner, meaning... Since if you don't sell it, this person will lose an item of tremendous value, right? He'll lose all the chametz. So by selling it, you are preserving his value. You are saving his value. So the Rambam says this is analogous or it could be derived from the general mitzvah of returning somebody's lost object. Uh, Rabbi, what, yeah. what is this whole thing with a mouse? Why? why? Yeah, the reason, why that so that's a good question. The reason why it made, it made, it made a difference over there was because had the mouse not not kind of born a hole over there, right? So he could have moved it out of his domain. He could have moved it somewhere else, whatever. There are other there were other solutions. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it didn't make sense to, to add no. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't clear why I did that. Yeah, you're right. Um, so who I did, so Raman says, who I did, the sharp, the sharp, the sharp, Right. So Ramam says so too with everything else. If you have something which you know will either get rotten or the king will seize it if it's in this form, you, in order to save it, you can sell it without the owner's consent and take the money. Now, I didn't bring this Gemara, but this is a very famous Gemara in Baba Metzia, where I, I believe somebody somebody left chickens by 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 uh by Rebchizda. I forget or maybe he left fruits by Rebchizda. I forget and he they started rotting so he sold them and he used the money to buy chickens and then the chickens kind of got too hard so he sold them and he used the money to buy goats and when the guy came back like you know a year later asking for his apples he showed him a herd of goats in the backyard and said how do you like them apples right uh for for anybody who watched uh <laughs> Um, uh, what was the, what was that from again? I forget. Okay. Yeah, you're apparently on mute, even though oh. you don't have the mute icon. Yeah, well, it's the movie about the, about, you know, about, the, uh, whatever. Okay. Robin Williams and Matt Damon, whatever. But, so, 
Goodwill Hunting, yes, thank you. So, so that's the Rabbi Moshe. Okay, now Yisrael the Shulchan Aruch also says something very similar. He brings us halacha. Yisrael shall you be able to have until shall Yisrael lacher, but pikadon you watch it until the fifth hour. The Shulchan Aruch says, and then you are allowed to sell it, right? Um, now, what happens if you don't sell? If you didn't sell it and it gets ruined. Uh, right, so you're not you're not liable if you don't sell it, but ideally you should sell. It. Okay, so the Magen Avram says explicitly, right, right, Vinirali, dim who Right, what if you have a situation? Right now, all we're saying is that you're allowed to sell it in the fifth hour, but are you allowed to sell it earlier if that's when you're selling your company? So he says, you are allowed to sell it earlier if you have to, and that's okay. The Mishnah Brewer brings this halacha, he paskins this halacha, he says that you are allowed to do it, but the Mishnah Brewer adds a very, very interesting caveat. The Mishnah Brewer says as follows He brings some from a later Magan Abram, Bisharachronim and other people, the place where you can sell it to a non Jew. And the non-Jew will give it back to you after Pesach. So meaning, right, we have a real sale where you'll sell it and you'll take the money and give it to the owner. And then we have our usual uh, Hamid sale, right, where it's sold and the person gives it back to you after after, after Pesach. So the Shulchan so the, so the Mishnah Buddha writes, the Magen Avraham Shachonim, that it is forbidden, Aser, Aser Lemaich Ramachir it is forbidden to do to sell a final sale. Also, the Meicher Mechir Chaluta, if you can sell it in a different way, in a way that will come. In. What the Mishnah Brewer does not state explicitly is what if you did do it? Is the sale valid? Right? Meaning, yes, it's wrong. Yes, you're a terrible person. But if you sold that person's comments, Mechir Chaluta, if you sold it in a full way, what's the halacha? Right? Is the sale valid or not? Okay, and we're going to try to look into this a little bit. So now we're kind of we're going to go off the easy night safari, and now we're going to go into some actual chuvas, uh, responsa from various people, and um, you know you can try to follow along. If not, I'll try to speak everything out outside. We're not going to go through the whole paragraph, but we're going to be going through a bunch of these because safari does not have a lot of interesting safari. The kasha and it's difficult. Who gave permission to the person to sell it, right? All these people, the Gemara, the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, they all say this person is allowed to sell this comments, right? Who gave permission for him to sell it? A person is not able to sell something that doesn't belong to him, right? I can't sell Helmut's car, you know, I would like to, it's a nice car, but I can't sell it, right? <laughs> I can't sell other things, right? I can't, people can't go sell my things, right? So very nice. It's, it's kind of in your self-interest, right? To sell, you know, to sell those comments. But practically speaking, you have to be an owner to be able to sell something. Um, even though we're saying this has something to do with returning the lost item, me right so so awesome the uh the micro over here that you're selling it me not some way Hashavah is a nice justification why you should have a moral obligation or even a halakhic obligation 
to try to save the person money, but how does that get you out of the technical issue? And how could you possibly sell it? We never got explicit affirmative consent or intent from the owner who gave you permission to sell. Now, we are all familiar with the institution of proxy. You can make somebody a proxy to go sell your thing. But over here, the owner never did anything. Oh, the owner is completely passive. He can be in a coma. So in such a case, what gives you the legal authority, the legal ability to be able to sell? So the, the, the owner should still transgress the prohibition of owning common something. We see from here, that the reason why it could work is because of the principle of which we're going to explain in a minute. And we assume or we estimate that the intention of the of the of the person who left the item there. He for sure wants this. So the Rebbeinu Chanan says, "What is? How does this work? It works with the principle of zachin adam What is zachin shalom shleibufan?" Generally speaking, the principle of Zakhon Jalal Adam Bolebifanov is found in a very different scenario. If you recall, we've talked numerous times about the principle, sorry, about the institution of proxy. That you can designate somebody a proxy, and with that, he has the legal authority and the ability to be able to do acquisitions on your behalf. Now, what if I'm walking in the street and I see a gift? I see a million dollars on the street. But I happen to be somebody who is of extremely spiritual and holy nature, that I don't want any money for myself. But I want to support all the poor grad students in Stonington. But I don't even want this money to, to taint my hands by coming through my accounts even for a second. So I want to basically acquire it directly for them. So there is a principle of what's called Zachim Adam Shalobufani. That in terms of acquisition, if something is a benefit for a person, I could acquire it for them even without their consent. Now, we'll talk a different time about what if they explicitly don't want it. That's a, that's a different a story. But there is a notion of implied consent that since this is something which is a benefit for them, this is what they want. So therefore, in such a case, you are allowed to acquire it. And we follow this principle in many areas. For example, when I make a air of tafshilin, when I make you know the, the, the air of tafshilin, before before Yamtiv, I also do it for the community. That doesn't absolve you of making your own, by the way. It's just an emergency measure. Problem is if I forget. But theoretically, you know, it, but so I, you know, my wife gives it to me and I acquire it for the entire community, giving everybody ownership. So too with the Arab uh Chatseros that we have, right? Where for, for our Arab, we also have a Baksamata, which I acquire on behalf of the community and of everybody who lives here. So this way, this acquisition could be done for them, and they all acquire. So that's Zachan Adam Shlobifan. But over here, they're doing it in a different direction. Instead of acquiring something for someone, they want to say that maybe the same principle should apply to selling. That I can sell something of yours, not in front of you, if it's to your benefit. Now, 
we have to ask the following question. What should be the difference between buying and selling? We kind of intuitively appreciate the notion of buying. We understand we can have an intuition about why it makes sense, but selling feels different. And as we're going to see, it's actually widely debated. But if we think about it just from, you know, before we delve into the sources, what is the difference between buying and selling? So but it's very clear that, that I mean, if, if you sell something for me, like let's say you sell my car and I use my car, then I use it illegally because I don't own it. Whereas if you buy something for me, I cannot use it if I don't know that I have it. No, that's true. So you're saying there's no way to kind of violate that intention. That's true. But I'm saying, if we're talking about a case where it's very obvious you don't want it, you want to get rid of it, right? This case of Chametz on Pesach, right? It's extremely obvious that if you don't sell it, you're going to lose it, right? So, so therefore, you know, yeah, you very much you, want to sell, yeah. But with your argument, you could just sell the Chametz of the Reform Synagogue. So we'll, we will talk about that. The problem with the you know, I don't want to talk about reform. I don't know what they do about Pesach, but if, okay. we're talking, if we're talking about 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 people who are going to be using this comments on Pesach, then you're right. That, that we're gonna have, that's going to be a, a later question. But yes, the fact that they use it should violate this assumption. Right. Okay, but we're talking right now for, for a use case where the person clearly wants to sell, okay? And since he clearly wants to sell it, so, so are you allowed to apply this principle? So what should be the difference? Over here we're saying, so the Rebekah is trying to argue that we see from a Gemara, from the Rambam, from everybody, everybody who says you can do this, it would, it would point to the fact that this is permissible. You can do this. And what should be the difference between buying and selling, right? The same way you can buy, you should be able to sell. Both normally, from a legal perspective, require the owner's will or the owner's what's called DAS, the owner's intention. So if we can mimic or create synthetic intention through, through the use of Sia, so we should be able to do it in both directions. Now, this is not 100% clear because there's actually a wide-ranging discussion by the laws of selling and buying about who does, who is, who, you know, when you have a buyer and a seller, who has the active role, who has the passive role, meaning who is, who is the one who is kind of with their actions, the real, the one who's actually changing the ownership of the item and who is merely agreeing. So there are three possibilities. The first is that the buyer, the person buying who does the act of acquisition is doing the vast majority of the work and the seller is simply agreeing to allow it to happen. There is another perspective that it's the opposite. That it's, it's, it's the seller's intent to sell that kind of creates this change of domain and it's and the buyer is merely broadcasting his willingness to buy but the real chalais, the real work the real kind of catalyst of the acquisition is really happening on the side of the buyer and of course there has to be the third perspective that is both people right okay so if you go that is both people or if you go that the primary mover and shaker is the buyer meaning the person doing the acquiring then once we see the principle of Shia to be able to acquire for somebody else, it's very simple that it should work the other way also. However, there are many opinions that say that the way that the primary mover and shaker by a sale is the sell. So through their intention to sell, they're kind of moving it out of their domain into the other person's domain and their active acquisition is simply 
like a form of acquiescence or a form of demonstrating willingness. So in that case, you don't have any proof. Just because you know that, you know, this is considered willingness or we can think of it as willingness because we know the person wants it, it doesn't tell us that you have the ability to do an active act of selling through the principle of scheme. And we're going to see that this will be a very, very important issue here because why, if you follow this last opinion, right, if you believe that you can do zachen le'adam, you can inquire for a person, but you can't do zachen me'adam, you can't take it from a person. And how do we understand all these different sources here? Okay. Why should it be permissible to sell that person's comments before Pesach? So Rebetzik Achanan, indeed, he follows the view that one is allowed to. The Truma Sadashan says a very similar thing. It's quoted in the Tzais. The, the, the Kasava Truma Sadashan, the Truma Sadashan, Sadashan writes, uh, Isha Bala Sabayas. So you have a woman who is the master, she has a home, a master of a home. Lashallah, uh, Isa. So she's working with a, with a, with a maidservant, with, with a helper, and the helper is kneading dough for her. The Hochalachutz and, and the and, and the, the mistress of the home went outside. Kaidim Shafrishala before they separated the requisite challah, right, which is a portion of the dough that you have to take off. Uh, so they so she kind of left before the, the, the challah was taken off. The Kaidim Shachazra and before she returned, Nikhmatsaha Isa, the dough kind of rose and proof, called Sarcha all that it needed to. So if the maidservant would wait any longer, if the, if the assistant, if the helper uh, would wait any longer, the dough would, would overproof and get ruined. And because of this, the, the, the assistant wants to separate challah without the intent, without the will of the, right, of the, of the mistress. So the Truman Sadashan says, Shari Hachi, it is permissible. It uh it was permissible to do this. Sorry, I apologize. That's a good question. Shari Hachi is it permissible to do this or not? Teshuva, answer. Yira de Shindali. The Shari something. I don't know what the dollar is for. Hachi. That you are allowed to do this. Oh, the shopper dummy. That you are allowed to do this. Why the keep of the miskalkel since it's getting run ruined, the bias, it is a a um kind of a benefit for the for uh for the owner. And we have a source that this principle of schia of doing something that's another person's self-interest works similarly to to proxy, and therefore it is permissible. So it would seem and the Trumasadashan follows the opinion of all of uh, inspector, and everything seems to be going according to the precedent that it should be permissible to sell the person's promise, to take off khala, all of these things should be okay as long as it's for the person's benefit. However, the Tsosa Khoshan disagreed. Later in that piece, he says as follows: VMK, it's not considered, it doesn't work as a merit when she is separating Chala on behalf of the Baal Sabah. We don't say this principle of Zachem Adam Shalabufanov 
Only in the case where the person who you're doing for acquires something. It's playing like somebody who gets a certain item. Or somebody who is, uh, there are certain cases where divorce is considered to be a schos, a benefit for, for the woman, even though she's losing certain rights and whatever it is, but there's, but some there are certain cases where the Gemara considers a schos to be a, a, a get to be a benefit. So since she's acquiring the document of, of get, so, so schia could work for her to be able to acquire it. Uh, so for you to acquire it for her on her behalf because of schia. But to separate, to go take from the owner, the Shvidah said it's not a schos, Ela So there is agreement, he is agreeable to this, but it's not a schos. And the way you make someone a proxy is not by them doing something that you desire. But by you actually having to create something, right? And we spoke about this notion of transferring your power, transferring your abilities, whatever it is, something actually has to happen. Uh, and it has to be specifically with your active will, not with your assumed will. So the size is not very clear over here. The size is trying to make a distinction between the case where you are acquiring from and when you are selling for, right? Sorry, acquiring for and and acquiring from, and the and, and the and the says right that the idea behind the idea behind is the reason why shchia could work, right? All he says is is that in the case where that person is acquiring something, so then I could act as a real proxy for them. He doesn't really explain why. And it could be the reason why is because of what I said earlier about the difference between acquiring and selling or giving. Which one does more? So so therefore, but this but but the size and, and you know, we don't we don't have time to kind of try to go deep into understanding this difference, but the size clearly makes a difference between between these two things. When I was in Yeshiva, we would probably spend two days. On uh, this paragraph, we say. I'm just saying it's not something which we're supposed we, we could expect to understand right away. But the facts are the facts. That's what he says. Okay. This a similar view is found in the Makavas Hamishnah and Gerush. The Makavas Hamishnah says the same thing. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to skip the beginning. I'm just going to show you over here. Below Amru Chazal Adam, you could acquire for a person. Below Amru Zachid May Adam. And you don't say you could acquire from a person. And, and we need this. So this is the opinion of the Ksalas and the Marshmashes, then the Makeva Samishnah, and a few other people agree with this. However, the uh, Samsofer and even the Ksalas in a different work of his in Avni Meluim, Rabbi first said, which I, which I didn't have a chance to see, that the Ksalas actually contradicts himself. The Ksalas wrote two words. Yeah, the Malou, well, he wrote more. His name was Rabbi uh, Ayurlaid Heller, I believe. And he wrote the Tzais and Avon Malou. The problem is that in Yeshiva, you only know people by the books, by their book's name. You never know anybody by their actual name. Like nobody knows, you know, who wrote the Tzais. It's irrelevant. So it's very common that people will say, oh, there's a machlokis between the Tzais and the Avon Malou. And I remember the, the, what took the cake one time was that someone had a three way debate between 
that were all written by the same person. Um, so, so you know that 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 approach has its shortcomings. But the you know, but we believe in this idea that an author lives in their books, right? We believe in the death of the author. Okay, irrelevant. The point is, is that the the are most people disagree, and the strongest question that they have is that this law is codified, right? To Gemara, to Rambam, to Shachar, you can sell the other person's comment. So if you don't say Zachin, Zachin Meyadam, why should you be able to sell the other person's comment? Okay? So the there is an approach, which Rabbi First didn't say this, but this is an approach, which in Gitin on Dav Zion, there is a famous base mayor. The base mayor says the following thing. The base mayor says there are two types of benefits. He's talking over there about for a slave, are you allowed to accept if let's say the slave doesn't know they're being freed, right? And the master wants you to acquire their kind of what's called a starcheros, their document, freeing them on their behalf. So now for a slave to be freed, it's not considered to be unequivocal uh, benefit because the master feeds the slave. The master has to provide, you know, food for the slave. And while we all think that, you know, freedom is the best thing in the world, and it is, I'm sure, but there are, you know, feeding yourself is also value. So, and, you know, the slave goes out, he has no job, he has no nothing, right? So there's, there's a discussion about whether or not it's considered to be a schut, right? So that we say it is it is considered to be a benefit because now he's obligated in mitzvot, which we assume is a benefit for him. Okay. But the base mayor over there makes a very important distinction. The base mayor says as follows. There are two types of schos. One is that it's a benefit in aggregate. The other is that it's a complete benefit no matter what. Right? A benefit in aggregate means, let's say I see a beautiful thing on the ground, right, for you, right? Now, if let's say it's the type of thing that will require you to kind of take it and you have to store it and you have to worry about it a little bit, right? So then there is chos and chov there, right? There are some shortcomings to it, but overall, I know, right, we all know, Anan Sahadi, we are, we can all testify, it's clear beyond all kind of reasonable doubt that this would be, that you want it. So we know that you want it, but it's not an unequivocal benefit, meaning there are trade-offs here. So this is considered to be a schoshein egam. <laughs> David's example is that you buy somebody a puppy, <laughs> right? That's a very good one. So, 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 uh, so, right, so there are, so there's a schos, right? Where, where we can, we can testify, we can assume. So over there, the base mayor says, for that, you need to be able to rely on shlicha. You need a schia, you need something kind of, there has to be that you can rely on that person's intention that there's a notion of what's called passive intention, this, you know, something called a din das, that there's a notion of being able to kind of have a form of making you a messenger. But that's much more complicated. And that only works in the direction of acquiring it for and not selling. And that's something which is requires a lot more, and that requires the parasha of shlichas, and that's much more difficult. The other one is a schuzgam. Oschosgomer means that it's complete and total benefit. There is no downside whatsoever. The base mayor over there says you don't have to rely on the notion of proxy at all. I could directly acquire it for you. 
It is something which is chosgamer. It's a much stronger form of sleep. So therefore, it's important to understand that it's possible that the Ktsosa Choshen and the Markevas HaMishnah, when they're talking about their cases, but Chala and the case of the Markevas, it's not Chosgamer. It's not a case where it's unequivocal, where it's unequivocal benefit. Why? Because by the case of the Chala, yes, you know, it may get ruined, right? But this maidservant, she may take off too much. She may take off, you know, from the part of the dough that, that she doesn't want. So she has to make an aggregate decision for the mistress. With the Mechavis Mishnah, he doesn't talk about the case he's, he's referring to, but he is contrasting it to the laws of Gerishan by divorce. And for the woman also, even though it's an aggregate benefit, divorce has shortcomings for a woman because now her husband is no longer obligated to feed her and provide her with certain things. So therefore, in those cases, it was called a schoshe So therefore, it's very possible, but by the case of Chomet, I'm sorry, that's talked about over here, Chomet is an absolute benefit because the person will lose everything if you don't sell. So that's a schos It's an absolute schos, and therefore you are allowed to do it. Now, we can go back now to the Mishnah The Mishnah Brewer, if you remember earlier, the Mishnah Brewer said, what if you have two ways to, to, to sell it, right? You can sell it in a way that it will be able to be kind of gotten back after Pesach. And there's another way that you can sell it, right? But then it's going to be gone. But you're only going to have the money. So here we have an interesting question. He said, also lost is that. It's forbidden to do it. But we asked, Will the sale work? So now here you have to think about this for a second. It's a schus to sell. The guy doesn't want it to get ruined, so it is a schus to sell it for money. The fact that a better option exists may not impinge on the fact that this itself is a schus. So therefore, it could be that the sale is valid. You're a bad guy, but the sale is valid. The other possibility is that no. If a better option exists, then what you're doing now can't be considered a schos. And therefore, when the Mr. Brewer says also, he means to say the sale doesn't work either. So that's not clear. But what comes out from here is, is as follows. Practically speaking, for question number one, if you are selling chums and you know that somebody has not sold their chums and they want to, you can't reach them. They can't. It's the last second. I'm going to, you know, our 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 uh, usual guy, right? I am allowed to sell the comments in the person's name. That's the Okay. All right. Quickly, oh, Rabbi, can yeah. I ask a question, a practical question, uh, which is actually true because we may actually be in Israel. So, is it actually for me better? to sell the chametz to you when I'm in Israel in our house or or in Israel to someone because because we usually we do actually a transaction like you know um, so so what is what is preferable so that's a very good question the short answer is it's preferable to sell to me and to pay me a lot okay but <laughs> the the no but my friend thinking it's preferable to sell to me the reason why it's preferable to sell to me is for a very basic reason if access a, access, but B, much more importantly, the time difference. 
the people you're going to be selling in Israel are going to buy it back when it's still Pesach by us. Especially right. because if you're going to be selling it to an Israeli guy, they only keep one day. Mm. So all sorts of creative issues can happen. So therefore, you should sell it to me. And you know, and then we can do it over Zoom, whatever it is. But 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 yeah. if you're if God willing, you should be in Israel by then. And if you are, then then that should be that one. All right.